I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives so that together we can prepare to live outside the walls. Earlier this week, I had the opportunity to sit down with Dave Palmer. Dave is the station manager of AM 910 KATH here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it is a uh, Catholic station here in town, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. And we talked about St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, had a profound impact on his life. He's going to tell us more about that. But uh, one of the 36 doctors of the church who still has a profound impact, not only on the individual, uh, but on the Catholic Church itself and the way that we formulate our theology and, and think about our theology. Uh, even though he lived back in the 13th century, still is one of the primary philosophers and theologians of the Catholic Church. So we're going to talk about him as we go further into the show. And Today, we're going to do the readings not from today, uh, but we're actually going to go back and do the readings from St. Thomas Aquinas Feast Day. Uh, we're going to read our prayers from the breviary. are going to be from the feast day. Uh, we're going to have a small section and sampling of his writing in our reading of church history today. Uh, but we're going to start, as always, uh, with prayer, scripture, and that reading from church history. Christ is the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. Let us Praise and thank him as we pray. Nourish your people, Lord. Christ, you decided to show your merciful love through your holy shepherds. Let your mercy always reach us through them. Through your vicars, you continue to perform the ministry of shepherd of souls. Direct us always through our leaders. Through your holy ones, the leaders of your people, you served as physician of our bodies and our spirits. Continue to fulfill your ministry of life and holiness in us. You taught your flock through the prudence and love of your saints. Grant us continual growth in holiness under the direction of our pastors. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. O God, who made St. Thomas Aquinas outstanding in his zeal for holiness and his study of sacred doctrine, grant us, we pray, that we may understand what he taught and imitate what he accomplished. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Today, our first reading, this reading that comes from Thursday, uh, the feast day of St. Thomas Aquinas, priest and doctor of the church. Uh, this first reading comes from 2 Samuel, chapter 7. After Nathan had spoken to King David, the king went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, Lord God? And who are the members of my house that you have brought me to this point? Yet even this you see is too little, Lord God. You have also spoken of the house of your servant for a long time to come. This too you have shown to man, Lord God. You have established for yourself your people Israel as yours forever. And you, Lord, have become their God. And now, Lord God, confirm for all time the prophecy you have made concerning your servant and his house. And do as you have promised. Your name will be forever great 
when men say, The Lord of hosts is God of Israel, and the house of your servant David stands firm before you. It is you, Lord of hosts, God of Israel, who said in a revelation to your servant, I will build a house for you. Therefore, your servant now finds the courage to make this prayer to you. And now, Lord God, you are God and your words are truth. You have made this generous promise to your servant. Do then, bless the house of your servant, that it may be forever before you. For you, Lord God, have promised, and by your blessing the house of your servant shall be blessed forever. That reading comes from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 7. Today's responsorial psalm comes from Psalm 132. The Lord God will give him the throne of David his father. Lord, remember David and all his anxious care, how he swore an oath to the Lord, vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. The Lord God will give him the throne of David his father. I will not enter the house where I live, nor lie on the couch where I sleep. I will give my eyes no sleep, my eyelids no rest, till I find a home for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. The Lord God will give him the throne of David his father. The Lord swore an oath to David, a firm promise from which he will not withdraw. Your own offspring I will set upon your throne." The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. If your sons keep my covenant and the decrees which I shall teach them, their sons too forever shall sit upon your throne. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He prefers her for his dwelling. Zion is my resting place forever. In her I will dwell, for I prefer her. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. Today's gospel comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Jesus said to his disciples, Is a lamp brought in to be placed under a bushel basket or under a bed, and not to be placed on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden except to be made visible. Nothing is secret except to come to light. Anyone who has ears to hear ought to hear. He also told them, Take care what you hear. The measure with which you measure will be measured out to you, and still more will be given to you. To the one who has, more will be given. From the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Today's reading from church history here on this Uh, as we celebrate the feast day, which happened this last Thursday, the feast day of St. Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor, one of 36 doctors of the church. As we celebrate this feast day, we're going to take our reading from uh, from some of his writings. So this reading from church history comes from a conference by St. Thomas Aquinas. Why did the Son of God have to suffer for us? There was a great need, and it can be considered in a twofold way. In the first place, as a remedy for sin, and secondly, as an example of how to act. It is a remedy, for in the face of all the evils which we incur on account of our sins, we have found relief through the passion of Christ. Yet, it is no less an example, for the passion of Christ completely suffices to fashion our lives, 
Whoever wishes to live perfectly should do nothing but disdain what Christ disdained on the cross and desire what he desired. For the cross exemplifies every virtue. If you seek the example of love, greater love than this no man has, than to lay down his life for his friends. Such a man was Christ on the cross. And if he gave his life for us, then it should not be difficult to bear whatever hardships arise for his sake. If you seek patience, you will find no better example than the cross. Great patience occurs in two ways, either when one patiently suffers much, or when one suffers things which one is able to avoid and yet does not avoid. Christ endured much on the cross, and did so patiently, because when he suffered, he did not threaten. He was led like a sheep to, to the slaughter, and he did not open his mouth. Therefore, Christ's patience on the cross was great. In patience, let us run for the prize set before us, looking upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, bore his cross and despised the shame. If you seek an example of humility, look upon the crucified one. For God wished to be judged by Pontius Pilate and to die. If you seek an example of obedience, Follow him who became obedient to the Father, even unto death. For just as by the disobedience of one man, namely Adam, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one man, many were made righteous. If you seek an example of despising earthly things, follow him who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." Upon the cross he was stripped, mocked, spat upon, struck, crowned with thorns, and given only vinegar and gall to drink. Do not be attached, therefore, to clothing and riches, because they divided my garments among themselves. Nor to honors, for he experienced harsh words and scourgings. Nor to greatness of rank, for wearing a crown of thorns they placed it on my head. Nor to anything delightful. For in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. That reading from church history comes from a conference by St. Thomas Aquinas. And what a thing Thomas gives us. Thomas gives us perspective. For Thomas, uh, every situation should be viewed through the lens of the eternal. What eternally matters. And when he starts from that perspective, all of a sudden everything shifts. Things that would generally cause a great amount of stress, now begin to create a great amount of joy. Because even though they are painful, and even though they are uh, unpleasant, they are things that we know are bringing about a good thing in us. Right? It's like going into surgery. Nobody says, hey, I want to go in and have a doctor uh, perform a surgery on me. Right? It's not until we realize that there is some sickness in us that needs to be healed that that pain of the surgery becomes the better option, right? It becomes the better option for the doctor to remove a cancer, to remove a ruptured appendix, than it is to continue living with that dangerous thing in us. And so this is what the eternal perspective does for us as we look at our lives and our priorities and those things which take up so much of our time is to realize that while it's uncomfortable to go through hardship and trial, it is removing from us sin, right? That suffering as we suffer in the hands of God, 
uh, as he is holding us and protecting us. And we're, we're dealing with these things that are uh, painful at the same time that they're painful, they're purifying us because they're driving us into the arms of God. They're, they're causing us to look to him and to rely on him for our strength and for our sustenance to be sustained. And so St. Thomas gives us this perspective and tells us always look to the cross. The cross is going to be our teacher and our example and our understanding of how to grow in virtue. You know, we want everything so easy today. We want uh, virtue to come simply because we've prayed uh, a single prayer. Uh, and we're hesitant to enter into the, the discipline, the daily discipline of, of a practice that will, in the long run, in the eternal perspective, give us strength and make us holy, right? And of course, that is what the saints and the doctors offer us. They offer us a picture of what it took to get from point A to point B. They offer us the path to holiness. We see this with St. Francis of Assisi, who started off uh, just like St. Thomas Aquinas in a very wealthy environment with, uh, with high aspirations of continued success. And then their perspective of success changed, and they walked the hard road of discipleship to become what we know now today, the saints, the doctors, the people who provide us with so much uh, wisdom and knowledge of how to walk in holiness. And so here, as we read St. Thomas Aquinas, as we uh, celebrate his feast day today and look to his example, let us pay a little bit more attention to the eternal perspective. Uh, Let it infuse us and inform us as we go forward in this conversation. Speaking of a conversation, why don't you have one with me? Go on over to facebook.com slash step outside the walls. We're going to have lots of links about uh, blogs and other interesting fact factoids about St. Thomas Aquinas. Go on over, comment, let me know what you think. You can also go over and have a conversation on Twitter. The handle there is at outside the walls and uh, look forward to the conversation. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Dave Palmer, who's the station manager of AM 910 here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. We're going to be having a conversation about how St. Thomas Aquinas drastically impacted his life and what it means for you. You're listening to Outside the Walls. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking through the break. Oh, well, we've got a great show today. We're talking about St. Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor, and we're talking with Dave Palmer. Dave Palmer is uh, here, a local guy, but we're connecting via Skype. Uh, I've had an opportunity to go to his palatial studios. Uh, One of these days, I'll get him over here to mine. Uh, But Dave is the station manager for 910 AM CATH, K-A-T-H, which is the Catholic station here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area and part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Dave, thanks for being on the show today. It's a pleasure. I uh, turnabout is fair play, I guess. (laughs) It is. So we're talking about uh, St. Thomas, and I I threw a little question out there to my Facebook community and said, hey, who wants to talk about St. Thomas? And I had two people uh, throw your name up, and uh, so here we are. Uh, short notice, and I appreciate you being willing to do this. I want to talk about 
St. Thomas Aquinas today because one, a couple of reasons. One, he is uh, the preeminent philosopher of the church. Uh, he gave us so much of the framework that we still use today in our theology, uh, but also because he is a doctor of the church. And I think that's a role that many of my listeners may not really understand what that means. Uh, and so let's talk about St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, tell me about how you first came to know St. Thomas and, and your first foray into his writings. Yeah, well, thanks for asking, Timothy. And you're, of course, uh, recording this on his feast day, which is a special day. And as you mentioned, I work in Catholic radio, and so I have my finger on the pulse of all things Catholic, and I'm listening to Catholic radio all the time and getting books sent to me. And uh, early on in my, my Catholic radio career, I could not help but notice that so many people, when talking about Catholic doctrine, talking about Catholic moral theology, kept referring to, to St. Thomas Aquinas. And I, of course, if you're Catholic, you've heard of this guy, but I was amazed that somebody who lived, you know, seven, eight hundred years ago was still kind of the gold standard uh, when it came to Catholic philosophy, like you're talking about, and mm -hmm. theology and moral theology. So it got to the point where I was like, I, I've just got to read them. I, I've, I've got to see what this guy is about. And then I realized the Summa Theologia is five volumes and you know, <laughs> about, about a, a foot long. And uh, so I, I, went, I went to a Catholic bookstore here locally in Dallas, and I, I told the lady over at Sacred Heart Books, I said, I want to buy the Summa, and I'm going to read through it from front to end. And uh, she comically said, well, she's waiting for the movie to come out, and she's not going to read it. <laughs> uh, so I, I did, and it, it was a, a most amazing journey, and I, I loved every paragraph of it. I didn't understand everything that I read, but I wasn't going to stop every time I, I got stuck. And it took me about nine months to read it all the way through, and I was hooked. And I, I just, I've learned so much from him. So that, that's kind of how it started. Now, that's quite an endeavor, because the Summa, of course, he, he wrote this as a primer, that the, the average amateur theologian ought to know these things beyond a shadow of a doubt. And of course, it, like you said, it's five volumes long, and it's quite a daunting thing because of the way St. Thomas writes. Uh, and he always writes uh, and presents an argument, and you're like, oh, that, that argument makes sense. And then he presents another argument, well, that argument makes sense too. And then he comes back and says, oh, but I disagree with all of these, and here's what I think. And so it takes a while to get used to the fact that the first thing out of St. Thomas' mouth that makes perfect sense is not the thing he actually believes. Uh, yeah, I think that's important to point out. Uh, like you said, when he uh, introduces a question, and you know, the Summa is, is built up with uh, treatises, and then there's questions, and then within the questions there's articles, and within the article there's objections, and then mm -hmm. uh, there's, there's, a, there's what's called a corpus, and ad contra, and then responses to the objections. But as you mentioned, he starts off with the other person's argument. And it, like you say, it sounds logical. It sounds that he's not belittling them. He's not mm -hmm. telling you yet that he doesn't agree with this, but he's laying it out there. Uh, so you get their side first, and then he starts to dismantle it <laughs> and the rest of the article. Well, I, I think that this is why he endures in the way that he does. Because, you know, you look at our discourse today, and you look around the culture, and, and it seems like everyone is uh, trying to belittle or uh, mock the other argument before making their own. Oh, well, this, uh, this argument is so stupid because look at all of these things. And St. Thomas, basically, he takes the argument to the people he disagrees with, and he says, let me see if I am understanding you correctly. Is this your argument? And so they're reading it and going, hey, yeah, you've really articulated that well. 
And then he says, okay, and this is why I disagree with you. He's so thorough in everything that he does, but he approaches every argument on the argument's own merits. He, he doesn't uh, create some false argument or some, uh, some weaker argument to dismantle. He gives full recognition and full respect to the discussion before he comes in with his answer. Mm-hmm. And he also, you know, the, the, the corpus always begins with, you know, I answer, but before that is the ad contra, or uh, the, you know, on mm-hmm. the contrary, and he always quotes an authority there. So I think Thomas, you know, was a, was a humble man, and first of all, acknowledging the other side, but he also acknowledges that this isn't him, you know, he's leaning, he's standing on the, on the shoulder of giants, right. uh, and they weren't all Christians either. You know, Aristotle was the philosopher, as he refers to him, mm-hmm. very much leaned on Aristotle, even on Muslim and Jewish philosophers and uh, great uh, Christian philosophers of the first, you know, millennia of the church as well. So he, you know, they he once said, you know, he he remembered everything he ever read, and so he had an amazing memory. But he read so much and he gathered from so many people, and then he really compiled a whole lot of other people's good thoughts into a systematic theology. Mm-hmm. So here we have Saint Thomas Aquinas. He's given the name the Angelic Doctor, right? And he is a doctor of the church. Now we have, uh, what, 266 popes, right? So that gives you a a sense of scale. We have, I think, 36 doctors of the church. Uh, So there's there's something, uh, an elite club of being a doctor of the church. So talk to us a little bit about your understanding of the role of doctors uh, in our own formation here as Catholics and as Christians today. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and I've uh, always been intrigued with the doctors for the exact reason that you just explained, is that, you know, we've got thousands of saints. Mm-hmm. We all want to model our lives after saints, but this is almost like the Hall of Fame, you know, and even better <laughs> than that, because there's a lot more than 36 people in the Football Hall of Fame. Uh, but my understanding is that the, the elite 36 are people uh, whose lives so... Uh, amazingly exhibited what it means to be a Christian, that they really are a step above the the, the, the others. And they often are in a particular category, where you take somebody like St. Therese of Lisieux and St. Thomas Aquinas, they really didn't have a whole lot in common as far as education level, right. certainly not gender, age. They, you know, Therese died very young. Thomas died at about 49. Uh, but Therese was the little way. The, the, her little way was what made her a doctor. Thomas's was the intellectual rigor mm-hmm. and his, his philosophy, as you mentioned. So they each have some particular area where they best exhibited uh, in, a, in a premier way what our faith stands for. I've always looked at it even more than just modeling our lives after them and as the saints, but that they have something of, uh, of premier importance to teach the church. Mm-hmm. So you have St. Thomas who teaches us, one, to respect every argument and every person and to be thorough, to not come with any preconceptions, right? He he goes outside of traditional Christian tradition and picks up Aristotle and says, well, let's think about first things and first uh, philosophies and then let our worldview come out of what we find in philosophy rather than uh, coming with our preconceptions and allowing our preconceptions to build our worldview. So you have this, this really thorough, systematic approach to life. And then you come over to uh, St. Therese of Lisieux or to St. Hildegard of Bingen uh, and and they come with this very mystical understanding of the presence of God, right? They come with this idea that, uh, that, 
God wants to meet us in the very place that we are. You've got St. Alphonsus Liguori. Uh, he has this wonderful little treatise called um, How to Converse Continually and Familiarly with God. And so he brings us this as a doctor of the church, this very practical, pragmatic way that we can approach our Catholic faith, uh, that it benefits us out of all of the saints to go to them to teach us. You know, we tend to think today, doctor of the church, and we think of our current conception of doctor, that a doctor is a physician, it's someone who we go to when we're sick. Uh, And certainly there's a way in which these doctors of the church uh, help to heal some of the sickness that we might find in our faith. Uh, But also, the traditional understanding of doctor was one of teacher, right? That, That the whole word has now shifted to the medical field, but uh, doctor was the person who uh, taught the masses. And so we here we have these 36 teachers that, as we take them as a whole, give us a fullness of faith and really fill in pieces that we were missing. If you have St. Thomas, but you don't have St. Therese, then we're missing something. They each have something to teach us. Uh, just like a professor, you would go to different classes and different professors to get your degree, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, it is uh, interesting you talk about what Thomas can teach us, and I I love talking about the Summa Theologia Mm -hmm. uh, as a whole, and what does it teach us? And if I may, Timothy, I'll Please. just throw in, throw in this, even though you didn't ask me specifically this question, is that I, one of the times that I was reading through the Summa, I, I got to seeing a particular word many times, and so I started circling it every time I saw it, because I could see that there was a trend growing throughout the Summa, and that was a three-letter word, end, E-N-D. Hmm. And it's amazing because I, I would say that Thomas, the, the, the purpose of the Summa is based on John 17, 3, where he says, this is eternal life to know thee, the one true God. Hmm. The Summa is about coming to know God, and God is our, is our end, as our beatitude. And I think the whole Summa points us to our end. It's kind of like an arrow being shot to the center of a target. Uh, the Summa guides us there if you if you read it properly. And so, anyways, that's what the, the, what Thomas has meant so much to me is that he's made my life very focused on what's most important, being my final end. Oh, there was a, a guru of time management some time ago that talked about always begin with the end in mind. And this is, uh, of course, what St. Thomas does for us and what St. Thomas was doing in his writings is to look at what is the purpose of a thing. What is the, the end? The, the Greek word there is the telos. We'll get into that uh, just after this break as we continue the, our conversation with Dave Palmer, who is the station manager of AM910, K-A-T-H, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. I want you to hop on over to facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle's at outside the walls. And uh, tell us what you think. What's your favorite blog about Thomas? What uh, Do you have any stories of how the writings of St. Thomas have impacted your life? Why don't you come on over and tell us? Well, we're going to continue this conversation with Dave just after this break. So we talk about St. Thomas Aquinas, the angelic doctor, and what he means to us here today uh, as Catholics and Christians. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. We'll be right back. Stick around.
You're listening to Outside the Walls. Thanks for sticking through the break. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. We're talking today about the angelic doctor, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, who is a doctor of the church, uh, gave us much of our theological framework here in the Catholic Church and really uh, still are benefiting from his work. We're having this conversation today with Dave Palmer, who's the station manager of AM910 on the Guadalupe Radio Network here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, the station here. Dave, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day coming and having this conversation about Thomas Aquinas with us here. Oh, thanks, Timothy. It's a pleasure talking about my favorite topic, so it's, it's, it's great. So now, right before the break, we, you started talking about that little three-letter word, end. Of course, when we think about end uh, here today, we generally think about you know the end of a story, the end, what happens uh, at, the, uh, at the close of a life of a story, of whatever the case may be. Uh, and St. Thomas is using that in a very different way. Uh, he's using it to say, what is a person's purpose? What were they made for? Uh, and so for him, the telos is the Greek word there, the end, the teleology of a thing helps us to understand uh, the, the what we should do with it in the meantime. So for instance, I'm, I'm currently uh, helping my, my mom kind of reorganize her house. And so one of the questions that I have is, what purpose does this little piece of trinket of clutter of whatever, what purpose does this have, right? What does this thing's end? Maybe that is to bring her joy whenever she sees it, or maybe it, uh, it's a, a, something that has a task and it, it's a very useful task that she still wants to use it for. But I think all of us, uh, we have these things laying around our house just because they're laying around our house and it's easier to keep them than to throw them away. And we don't think about the purpose of a thing and whether or not it's actually achieving its purpose. So St. Thomas is always thinking about the end and specifically our end. And are we accomplishing our purpose? And so depending on what our purpose is, is going to depend on how we use the thing in the meantime, right? Uh, And so if we think that our purpose is for monetary success or for uh, acclaim or fame, then we're going to behave in a certain way up until that point to achieve that end, right? Uh, Whereas if we see ourselves destined for the divine beatitude, for the presence of Almighty God himself and being in the midst and the presence of God, then we're going to order our lives differently toward that end. And I think that this is what I see uh, that maybe frustrates me with our political discourse, that frustrates me with uh, some of the ways that we have uh, people who, oh, their priorities are such that uh, a ball game is more important than uh, preparation for a sacrament, right? Uh, that it seems that many people have misplaced their end uh, or uh, have begun ordering their lives in a way that doesn't achieve the end that they, that they say with their mouths that they want. So talk to me a little bit about your understanding of St. Thomas in the end and how that's impacted and influenced your life. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know if I can say it any better than you just did because you you summed it up so well. But, uh, you know, if you go into a typical grade school 
and take a hundred kids out and say, you know, what's the purpose of your life or what are you living for? The the answers I, I'd be surprised if you know three of them said I want to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. And I and I think about this every day. And the example I sometimes use with uh, high school kids when I I teach them is, is you know we're we're going to have the summer Olympics here uh, pretty soon. We all remember Michael Phelps from you know four years ago, incredible swimmer. And Michael Phelps' goal and purpose, at least you know from an Olympic standpoint, uh, is to stand up in that that top rung and get the gold medal. But in order to do that, he's got to make a thousand little decisions every day that he's not going to go to McDonald's, but he's going to have the salad and he's going to exercise. He's going to run. He's going to do a lot of things. So everything is geared towards that that purpose and that goal. Now, hopefully, Michael Phelps has a much higher goal than that. But the the way I see the end is that the, the end is something that we are focused on. But Aquinas in the Summa talks a lot about you know the the sacraments towards the end. He talks about the uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He talks about the the virtues. You know what is the the connection of the theological virtues? I mean, uh, I don't know that many people know that these these unite us directly to God. They're infused. You know, we can't go out and and acquire on our own power the 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 virtue of faith, hope, or love. These are infused in us. And how is God's grace working in this? So, it's almost like if if you had a car and you know the car you need to travel. 2,000 miles, well, you got to make sure everything's working properly so they can make that trip. Well, what do we need to get to our final end? Well, we need to, to live a life of virtue. We need the sacraments. We need God's grace. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, are we focusing on this as much as Michael Phelps or another Olympic swimmer is focusing on what he needs to do to get to that top rung? And I think that's what, as you alluded to a moment ago, is perhaps what's missing in our political discourse and our culture is our focus is distracted. Where we feel we're very worldly, and very few of us are focusing on the final end. And I think I would say that's that's what the summa is about. You know, the summa ends talking about heaven and beatitude and what it's like to be in heaven. And it starts with basically God, and it ends with God. It's it's circular, and the whole summa is how do we get from being created by God back to God, mm-hmm. uh, coming to know Him. And so that's that's how I I see it. But of course, it's there's a lot more. But that's a somewhat of a thumbnail sketch. Yeah, let's drop the end down uh, to a, a smaller level. So let's say that we have a person. Uh, who is focused on the end in the terms of getting back to God, right? And they want uh, to order their lives and they see some of the destruction and they see some of the things that are going on in our culture that are antithetical to that end, right? They see that there is damage being done uh, and they want to bring it into that. So maybe they have a discussion with someone. Uh, Very often when we get into these discussions with people who disagree with us, we get inflamed, uh, by our passion, by our uh, our desire to see the right done, by the 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 injustice that we see done, we we rise up. Uh, but in doing that, I think often we miss the end of the conversation. The end, the purpose of that conversation, is discourse. Is to hear where that person's coming from, to to see the very real things that have led them, uh, the very valid and real things that have led them to a wrong conclusion. Right. Uh, And so rather than paying attention to listening, it seems that so often we listen to respond and not to understand. And the end of the conversation, in my mind, would be to hear that person where they are and then to be able to identify with them insofar as we're able and then to give them a different perspective, not with a hammer, but with with a uh, an invitation. 
Uh, and so how do we as Christians, how do we as Catholics who do have a sense of the end, uh, how do we go about inviting people uh, into that process in a way that is um, warm and invitational and not merely uh, an, an accosting situation or a battle? Well, that's a good question. And, you know, the fact that we're in this year of mercy right now, and Pope mm. Francis has stressed this so much, is that we have to, uh, first of all, accept people where they are, not that we want to keep them there, but we have right. to understand where they are. And that gets back to Thomas's approach, where he uh, fully has uh, reviewed and studied the other side. We have to understand where they're coming from, I think, so often. We just, we know the final answer, and we're going to get there, and you need, we need to drag you along. But I think we have to be very sympathetic to where people are uh, in, in their particular situation in order to guide them, uh, you know, intellectually and also through, through care, concern, and charity. And, you know, that's the other thing is that, uh, you know, what was it? Uh, St. John of the Cross said, in the end, we will be judged by our love. All this other stuff, even our intellectual pursuits or our great knowledge of philosophy, and Thomas would be the first to, 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 to know this, means nothing if it isn't done with charity. Right. You know, I, you, as you were talking, you brought something to mind here, and that's the idea of uh, we know the answer, right? We do know the end. We, we understand because we've experienced it and we've appropriated it, and we, we understand that Christ is the answer, and, and his presence manifestly among us in the Eucharist is the source and the summit of our faith. It is the answer. But it's kind of like my old math book in high school. All the answers were in the back, right? I could, mm -hmm. I could look at the back and, because the answer was not necessarily the most important thing to that math book. What they wanted to know is, can I get there? Is the process there? And so, so many times we we look at the end and we want people to. Well, look, I'm looking in the back. This is the right answer. I I, I read the book. It's in there, uh, but we have difficulty getting there and getting them there through the process of conversation. Uh, and that's something that I think St. Thomas offers us, is the opportunity to learn how things work a little better, learn the process. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great uh, point. And also, we also have to understand, and this is something I struggle with a lot, is that getting to our end isn't always how we want to get there. You know, we want to, <laughs> right. we want to get to heaven, but that heaven, our, our heaven might come through our getting cancer or mm -hmm. uh, losing a child or uh, a horrible car accident or the, the, many of the things where people often, you know, shake their fist at God and say, I can't believe you did this to me, which is actually his way of sanctifying us. And that's the other, one of the other things that I got out of, of, of Aquinas is that, you know, God knows what he's doing and God, God wants us to cooperate. And sometimes it's a little sloppy, but acceptance of his will in getting us to where he needs us uh, takes a lot of wisdom. And sometimes, yeah, that, that answer in the back of the book, we, we want to get there our way and not God's. Yeah, we want to find that, you know, well, I, I, got, I got there, God. Look, here's the answer. I know Jesus, yes, but, but did you suffer? Did you come through this process? Did you, did you rely on my grace? Did you lean on me a little more fully every day than you, le than you uh, leaned on your own understanding? Uh, how are you connecting? And so these are questions that, uh, that Christianity puts in our lap that we have to wrestle with, that we have to, uh, to really uh, understand more fully. Uh, and St. Thomas helps us do that. Well, join the conversation over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And I want to know what you think. So come on over and tell us. 
We'll continue this conversation with Dave Palmer, station manager of 910 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network, right after this break. You're listening to Outside the Walls. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. If you've missed any part of this show or want someone you know to go listen, all the archives are up at OutsideTheWalls.com. We're going to continue our conversation today with Dave Palmer, who is the uh, the station manager of AM910 KATH here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. You can find out more information over at grnonline.org. And today we've been talking about St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the 36 doctors of the church. We've talked about his amazing intellect and his ability to take these very difficult concepts and synthesize them in a way that they become accessible. But all of these doctors of the church, all of these people who are out there and they're writing and they have important things to teach us, uh, if it all it does is increase our knowledge, uh, then it doesn't really make all that big of a difference. Now I get to be smarter, which gives me more uh, hubris, which makes me further away from the virtues that God has, right? So, uh, so what difference does St. Thomas make? You've experienced that in your own life. Uh, what difference does St. Thomas make to a Catholic, to a Christian? Well, I'm so glad you asked that, because this is really uh, what the most important thing that I've gotten out of the Summa, Timothy, is that, uh, first of all, there was, a, there was a story I've read, and I, I think this is true, that uh, when, when Thomas Aquinas had his last confession heard, the, the priest who heard his confession later said, it was as if I was hearing the confession of a five-year-old, uh, which in case to me that we often think of Aquinas as being this towering intellect, which he was, but I think uh, perhaps something that's better about him is his simplicity. Um, you know, I have a two-year-old son, and if a two, my two-year-old son sees a cricket on the floor, mm-hmm. uh, he, will, he will be amazed. He will be in awe, and he will stare at that cricket and follow it around the room for 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> as adults, we've generally lost that. And what I have learned from uh, Thomas Aquinas is, as we talked about before, purpose and teleology, uh, is that I, I see everything differently. A new lens has been put on mm-hmm. where when I see a, a fly or a duck, you know, when I see a duck, for example, I think, uh, by golly, you know, this time of year, these ducks are flying south and they, they don't have intellect. How in the heck do they know how to do this? And th- this, they are, they are following their, their path in life perfectly, and God is directing them. Mm-hmm. God has got this incredible world all set up where everything works really well and, and very nicely, and everything has a purpose, everything has meaning, but most of us are so busy going throughout our day and hitting deadlines and, and you know, that we're not even noticing. Yeah. And I think if there's one thing that we need to do is, you know, get off the, the iPads and the iPhones and all the technology and just sit there and, 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 and look at God's creation and contemplate how God has put all this together and, and, and for what purpose, and, and, and especially what is our purpose, especially yeah. in light of the final end. But it's totally changed my entire perspective. Well, and let's take a look at that, because that's something that St. Thomas offers us in his, one of his five proofs of God that I love, is this idea that God is constantly upholding everything. You know, we tend yes. to think of miracles as, as being God intervenes in our daily life, right? That there's the presence of God, and that's where the miracle comes from. 
Uh, with with St. Thomas, he's the other direction around. He says that God is always present and always intervening and always upholding, and that a miracle is not the presence of God, but the absence for a moment of the natural laws. Yeah, that, exactly. That God's interaction is continual and constant, and if he ever ceased to continually interact, we'd cease to be. And, and so that's a completely different understanding of the way that the world works, and it would impact us greatly if we thought at every moment, uh, God is here. God is interacting with me. God is present to me here in this moment. Yeah, and I, I try to teach my kids that whenever we pray in the morning and we drive to school, I just say, I say, thank you, God, for, for that bird right there on that line. <laughs> you know, not for birds in general. Thank you for that bird. I mean, because that bird has life. And without, as you mentioned, without God being present in that bird and holding it in being, then it's gone. Right. And so, you know, we're not pantheists and say that that bird is God, but we do say that that God, that is a reflection of God. That is an effect of God who is the efficient cause, right? And so if you go around, uh, life becomes mystical uh, when one puts on the lens of Thomas Aquinas because you go around like a detective is looking for clues of the murderer. Uh, what we really want to do is be people who are mystically looking for God everywhere, and you don't have to go far because he's everywhere. Right. So it's, it's the e easiest mystery in the world is to find God. Um, you know, you and I wouldn't have this conversation. We wouldn't be alive to speak or breathe if it wasn't for God. So we're having a mystical experience right now as we speak, as are our listeners. Mm -hmm. So here we have uh, a new perspective. Thomas has given us this, this new understanding of the presence of God. Uh, and hopefully that impacts the way that we then live, right? Is, then we ask the question of teleology. How important is it in this moment that I, uh, that I amuse myself with a, an electronic device? How important is it in this moment that I eat uh, in front of the TV instead of eating uh, a meal with my family around a table? How important in this moment is it that I uh, run to the office uh, to take care of this one last thing instead of staying at the home with my kids tonight. You know, all of a sudden, this question of our end and this question of our purpose begins to uh, irritate us, right? It, it reminds us and nudges us on the shoulder every time that we try to act in a way that's contrary to our end and not only our end, which is to be in the presence of God, but our responsibility for the end of those who depend on us, right? The end of uh, my children and their need uh, to learn about God, their need to be nurtured and brought into the presence of God uh, here so that they can eventually be brought, brought into the presence of God uh, at the end of all days. Amen. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's very well put, and uh, I wouldn't add anything to it. <laughs> very well put. Thank you, Dave, for taking your time out of your day to come and talk with us about St. Thomas Aquinas. Like I said, there's few things I enjoy more than talking about the great angelic doctors. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you for the invitation to be on the show. Well, that's all the time we have this week. Thanks for tuning in. Next week, we're going to be talking with Father Leo Padalinghug, who is the host and founder of the Grace Before Meals television show that airs on EWTN. We're going to be talking about the importance of the family meal and what that can do to strengthen uh, your family dynamic and your spirituality. Outside the Walls is a co-production of Breadbox Media and St. Michael Radio, heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming, and podcast. Until next week, 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.